Hello and welcome to Learn With Us. Today in the show we have Peter F. Karpides, a fellow Greek who resides in Canada. How are you doing today, sir? I'm great, Nick. How are you? Well, I can still travel and see my family, so I guess I'm okay. Without, uh, well, everyone can go on LinkedIn and figure out what I'm talking about, but it's not for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is a professional podcast, I guess. So, so Peter, I'm very impressed with what he's doing. He basically runs his own aircraft leasing company. And uh, that is uh, has a lot of aspects to it because there's, you know, there's legal stuff, there's business stuff, there's logistics, there's a whole, whole bunch of stuff that goes into you know, airlines. And um, yeah, can you just like, let me know how you, how you cope with, like, how, how many different things do you have to do to, to do a deal? Like, what's all this <laughs> Well, Nick, basically, yes, you know, when, when you are a, uh, a small mom and pop, let's say, operation as I am, you have to do everything A to Z. And that entails sales, marketing, procurement, contract negotiations, customer relationship management, you name it, I do it. And, and that's in the initial phase, you know, when, you're, when, you're, when you have a startup and you're building you know, you have to keep costs low and build the business. And once you get to a certain point, then you do have to hire. Absolutely. So uh, there's so much work that goes into it. It's, it's how can I say, it's a labor of love. So are you like the middleman in a sense and you bring together like lawyers and accountants and all the things that are needed to, to do an aircraft leasing deal? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm a relationship expert, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, with solid experience on the uh, aircraft leasing side, freight side, airline side, right? But again, that you know doesn't really count if you're not a people person. Mm-hmm. So it's basically you know you have to be good with people. You have to know how to build relationships and bring people together. So. The one party is the uh, lessor who has the aircraft. The lessee needs the aircraft. You bring them together, get the contract negotiations going, come to an agreement. And then <clears throat> basically I make a commission. Um, on the leasing side, it's it's based on uh, block hours. Those are the hours that uh, the aircraft will operate. On the charter side, it's basically a markup. So chartering is somebody that books a plane for like a few weeks or something like that? Well, on, on uh, as far as cargo is concerned, you can have a one-off charter or you can have a, a short to long-term um, charter capacity program. So it would be multiple flights, a week, a month, over a year. Mm-hmm. And that that's, that's the same thing as leasing, right? That's just... Chartering. Well, leasing, there's a difference because leasing, you're, you would be leasing the aircraft itself. If it's an ACMI wet lease, we have the, the lessor provides the aircraft crew maintenance and insurance as per the acronym ACMI. Um, and then everything else, fuel, airport fees, you know, airport taxes, um, warehouse handling, that stuff, uh, that onus is on the lessee. Oh, I see. So chartering would be would would not include all their ACMI stuff. They would. They, they... No, well, char- the the charter is basically someone wants an aircraft, and all that stuff would be included, except the let's say build and break of the pallets that are going to be loaded. 
onto the aircraft. That is something which is additional um, because, you know, that, that, that that's an additional cost. So that is never included, neither on the charter nor on the leasing side. Mm. And do your deals only occur within Canada? My deals uh, occur uh, outside of Canada right now, <laughs> basically. I'm, I'm dealing internationally. Um, I'm also trying to work on the Canadian market, but um, as far as exports and air, uh, I, the world, I mean, countries like the US, the UK, uh, European Union, uh, have way more volume versus Canada on the, uh, let's say, air cargo side. Um, but I am trying to also develop the Canadian market here with um, a couple of large freight forwarders, which uh, former colleagues of mine for many, many years. So now I've come into another role where I'm a supplier and their uh, customer. So I'm, I'm also working on the Canadian market. So I've seen you recently were involved in a deal, I think, and you bought the last four 747s that were in uh, production. Is that correct? Well, no, no, I posted that. I posted that. I, uh, that was an airline that has uh, purchased uh, four new aircraft. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. My mistake. Right. Cool. I, I, I promote that, uh, you know, through my uh, posts uh, because that's what I do. Right? I mean, that's a part of the, uh, the sales and marketing um, angle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So can you can you share like any public information like with what kind of companies in the EU you've worked with? Well, I mean, I I, I work with forwarders, I work with exporters, um, I work with uh, airlines, mm-hmm. whether large or, or small, because um, they're also looking to enhance their capacity. Um, if they bring on uh, a new route, okay, so the, they also need additional aircraft to be able to, <clears throat> let's say, solidify that route, or they have an existing route where they see that you know the cargo um, cargo business is very strong and they want to increase their capacity on a specific route. So my customers are um, very diverse, but all part of the let's say, uh, air cargo supply chain. Right, okay. Okay, so you recently started your business this year in May. Difficult time to start that business in the middle of COVID crisis or is it ideal time? Well, you know, someone would think right off the bat, oh my God, what did you do? You started your own business in 2020? I'm like, well, uh, in hindsight, it was the best thing that I could have done. Really, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The timing was great. Um, There was so much demand for PPE and basically everything was going through air, air freight. So actually, in hindsight, it's perfect timing, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And I believe you also had a mentor that helped you get started in something like this, because this this is always a very, very specialized industry to get into. And maybe you can share about how, how the mentorship helped. Yeah, I mean, I, the, basically, um, I've had a few mentors in my life, but regarding the the charters, there was a gentleman in the U.S. who actually um, asked me if, if I wanted to work for him and do charter sales. 
I said, sure. So we started out um, as a partnership. And, um, you know, under him, it, it didn't take very long because I, I do have the background. But, I mean, he was uh, very thorough and uh, willing to um, share the knowledge and the experience. So next to him, I, I, I did learn quite a bit. I mean, it was only, uh, I would say, six months after I went, uh, you know, totally solo. But uh, the gentleman does have a lot of experience on the private jet charter side meaning passenger uh, charters. But, you know, he didn't know quite a few things about cargo. And uh, I think I did learn a lot next to him and um, also regarding the business side. So, um, yeah, my hat's off to him. And thank you very much for that. Um, you always need a mentor. Everyone has a mentor. But, yeah, the gentleman's great. Like, he, he put me in a position now where I'm totally the master of my own destiny. So um, thank you very much, Miron. <laughs> I'll give him a shout out. <laughs> so what, what top of, sort of size of companies come to you for, for help? Um, I would say it's a mixed bag. You know, there's, you get the, the large uh, freight forwarders. Usually that would be my clientele because, I mean, that's, um, I would say, a main service part of the freight forwarding portfolio is air freight. Um, and then you have, I would say, smaller forwarders slash logistics uh, service providers. Um, I've had quite a few of those within Europe, UK, Poland, and just to name a couple of countries in the E. Well, not EU anymore. Sorry, Brexit. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a mixed bag. I mean, I mean, I now I have a. Uh, I'm working with a. It's actually it's a, a Chinese holding company who does you know they they represent airlines uh, they also have a forwarding unit um, they're into e-commerce so yeah it's from large to small and um, everything in between. What's a holding company? Uh, basically, it's like an umbrella. It's like a, I would say it's uh, I think maybe similar to a. Uh, um, maybe a conglomerate, something like that, right? Okay. So it's it's a large, let's say, umbrella uh, corporate unit and has smaller entities that belong to it. Okay. Do manufacturers come to you for help shipping their products or do they go through the logistics providers? Um, I would say um, the majority go through the uh, logistics providers. I haven't had that. That's That's something that I'd like to break into. And I've, I've been doing some work uh, with some companies uh, within Canada regarding that and also um, in the Far East. I'm trying to work on Japan as well. That's that's another one of my uh, lofty goals <laughs> going forward is to actually get through to a, uh, a, man, a manufacturer themselves. Mm-hmm. So go to direct to the source, which would be better for them because they wouldn't pay a forwarder's markup. I guess I guess some of the manufacturers also have their own logistics divisions and also people like yourself inside them. Absolutely, absolutely. That and, and that would be great if I could actually um, get to know someone like that within a large logistics uh, division of a, of a manufacturer. Um, 
something that comes to uh, to mind is uh, um, Hyundai Heavy Industries, for example, to get into their logistics division, all right? Because if any company did not move through air and always wanted to do ocean up till now just because of the cost, ocean is not working. So that that's something which is I'm I'm happy about because I mean I'm I'm an air guy, so I'll be getting that business right. Well, you, um, when you say ocean, you mean going across the ocean? Correct. Yeah, I mean that that is something which uh, has always been time consuming, um, and now with this um, pandemic. You know, that's there's so much congestion in the port. So everyone wants to move via air. It's 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 always been, you know, the better solution. It's about three to four times more expensive, but well, it depends on your product. If it's a just in time uh, commodity, then it has to move air. Do you know what the volume capacity of air is versus the, the shipping industry? You say, oh, well, <laughs> the I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, I, I don't know. It could be six, seven, almost ten times more. Shipping? If you're looking at, yeah, yeah. I mean, because you get, you know, those large container ships. I don't know. They can take uh, large ones. Can take I don't know, forty, fifty thousand containers, forty yeah. foot containers. It's crazy. Versus, you know, yeah, it, that could be ten times more. But again, it's uh, three to four times. Uh, even five times uh, more expensive via air, or you could say cheaper via ocean. But you get what you pay for. If if you're if you're working in in such a uh, let's say a crisis in this, this type of environment, you can't wait 21 days to get your cargo um, from the Far East to North America, like the PPE equipment. Yeah, yeah. Predominantly, I mean PPE. You know, that's that's what's required now, right? So. Or, or, or anything in the supply chain, whether we're talking about foodstuffs or talking about high tech or talking about automobiles, whatever it is, right? Um, if it's going to move ocean, it's going to be slow. I wonder what the um, – you got all the green people coming come and saying, oh, we, should, we shouldn't use airplanes. Do you know what, do you know what kind of like efficiency – like how much CO2 per kilogram on an airplane versus some 20,000, 40,000 cargo ship? I'll tell you the truth, Nick, I don't know the exact figures, but I know that uh, aircraft are becoming more and more fuel efficient. Yeah. I know that every airline, um, one that comes to mind is Lufthansa, right? They've had a CO2 or green initiative uh, uh, reduction initiative going on for, I don't know, probably the last 10 years at least. And and we see that also with the their clients, these air freight forwarders, right? Those middlemen that they've also have those green initiatives in place. And I know that could be for the last 15 years, at least since I was in the industry. So air is looking to reduce its carbon footprint. Um, I know that there's um, alternative fuels that are uh, coming into play. And uh, uh, I believe there was a flight. Was it the first flight? Um, was it from London to New York? I think uh, was it last year um, that um, was fueled by alternative fuel. Huh. Now again, I, I forget what it's made of. This fuel, I'm I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm not. I haven't really uh, gotten into that space. Um, but maybe that's something I should start looking into and start promoting. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't interviewed a person who studied um, global warming and all that stuff. I'm not convinced that there is global warming, although I can say that the last 15, 20 years, the winters in Scotland and Ukraine have been not as not as severe as they were when I was a kid, but they're still like the sun. The sun goes through cycles. Um, people probably raging to hear me say, oh, you're, you're a denier of climate change. Well, I mean, come and talk to me then on the, on the podcast and ask them, ask them some questions, you know, so... Uh, I'm 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 skeptical to believe things that are woke and everybody's jumping on this like cli- this whole sustainable agenda 2030 and all that stuff. But uh, I mean I'm I'm a free thinker. I have the right to think what I want. But you know I'm also a trained scientist and you know I will read research papers, talk to scientists to to make my view more solid. You know and I have an open mind as well. So. I think that's great. Yeah, you you need to talk, keep 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 uh, talking to the open-minded scientists, not to the woke, right? Just as a sidebar here, I know we're talking about charters and logistics, but uh, we can if we go off on that tangent, then the podcast is going to go on for days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, have you ever flown a plane yourself? No, 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 no. I'm 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 not a um, I'm not a type rated uh, you know pilot myself. I do deal with pilots. I mean. That's another thing. I, I do deal with a lot of pilots as well, the former pilots, current pilots that also have gotten into the industry. Um, and, uh, you know, very, very experienced people. They have the knowledge. I mean, they they know the, uh, the aircraft, the engineering part of it, um, how it operates, what it can uh, do and their performance. So, yeah, th- that, that's, that's a, a great point there. Pilots are also into the charters because – a lot of them are retired and they want to have a, a stream of income. Other pilots want to have an additional stream of income, the ones that are currently still flying. Um, and I, I do have a couple of them from the UK off the top of my head um, that I do great business with. Very professional, very diligent, very thorough. Um, anyway, so two the, thumbs up. The pilots would probably inspect the proposed cargo and aircraft performance for flight characteristics and help choose the correct aircraft at least I'd imagine that's they would know how they would know how the the certain weights would fly at certain distributions of the of the the cargo or the aircraft absolutely they have that information but usually the the customer is pretty knowledgeable the the lessee they, they, they say okay you know what I want a 747 freighter Right, seven four seven four hundred. I want a a dash eight, which is a seven four seven dash eight hundred freighter. I want a triple seven freighter. So um, the pilot really doesn't have to um, do any checks or inspections. Um, it's the the lessee is pretty knowledgeable of which aircraft they want. What what the pilot um, has to present. I mean, if if they're the ones that are um, procuring the the aircraft from the lessor, is that all the maintenance checks are in place, um, mainly a C check, which is the major um, inspection that is done in maintenance on a particular aircraft. So if someone wants uh, a leasing agreement, let's say a wet lease, an ACMI for a year, and an aircraft fresh C check, it's perfect situation, right? So probably won't have to go in for a year or two. So there will be no disruption um, to their cargo operations. I'm just trying to get my head around all these specialized facts, which is great. It's great. 
um, I'm really stretching the limits of what I'm able to talk about in these industries because you know there's like I'm, I'm good at software, but when it comes to some of the the more, I mean, it's great. That's what this podcast is all about is is just learning with us, you know. And I'm learning from you, and my listeners are learning from me, learn from you, and learning from you from the listeners directly. So, uh, thanks for everyone who's who's managed to follow along up to this point. So let me just ask some 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 some. Uh, I won't say new, but I won't say dumb. But let me ask some novice questions. So, why would a person who wants to lease an aircraft not just go to like Boeing directly? Why would they go to you first? Well, again, Nick, it's 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 all about relationships, right? I have access to multiple lessors, multiple aircraft. Um, so basically, a, a lessee pays for my experience. They pay for my relationships, right? Um, they also pay, uh, you know, for the fact that I can probably get a better rate versus the lessee going direct to the lessor mm-hmm. just because of the relationships I have with the airlines and the amount of business that I give them. Right. And it works that way also in like with freight forwarders, a shipper would not go direct to an airline unless I don't know, people like Apple, they can go direct to an airline. Because they've got tons and tons and tons and tons of cargo, right? Yeah. But if it's someone which is, you know, a regular, let's say, you know, medium-sized exporter, they have to be like on the size of Apple, right? Mm-hmm. If they go. And I'm sure Apple even, I mean, I remember we used to have that account when I used to work for the uh, Deutsche Bahn DB Schenker, which is a large logistics provider out of Germany. Um, Apple was our customer. So even Apple, you know, it might not, they probably don't have the volumes, you know, could be close, but I, I, they wouldn't have the volumes. So it's, it's a matter of pricing too, right? It's getting that preferential rate through me. Um, so, so and also I would say all the work that I have to do and they don't have to do, right? All the negotiations and, and the back and forth and the relationship uh, with the uh, lessor. So, so what would would an SME normally come to you? They would only want maybe a quarter of a plane full for their business. Yeah, yeah. But we, you know, we, we, you know, you, you get that. You know, maybe if you get like a um, an AOG, that's aircraft on ground. So that's let's say you have an uh, an, an aircraft which is grounded in uh, Hong Kong and they need a particular engine. Right. But that engine will, like you said, it could only take up, I don't know, a quarter of the plane. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give them, you know, I'll give them a charter rate, but they won't get the full capacity of that aircraft. Is there, is there a lot of like capacity that's sort of last minute, like lastminute.com for? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that, that's <laughs> basically the name. That, that, that's basically those AOGs, aircraft on ground. We need this part. We need this. The, 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 the airline is losing money for every single hour that that aircraft is grounded. So that's why they will pay a pretty penny or a pretty pound or a pence <laughs> um, to get that part over into that destination, um, get that air, air, aircraft fixed and, you know, off it goes. I wonder like if um, like in November I went to Scotland a couple of times and uh, I was going on, on Ryanair and the plane was like 90% empty. I'm just wondering, like, 
where was there like freight that was just on standby in case aircraft were very lightly laden and that they, they, they just load up all this extra cargo on there? I mean, because they could Air, Ryanair couldn't have been making a profit. I basically I paid ten pounds for the flight for the ticket, right? And the fuel, it's got to be at least. 20, 30 euros something. So, and, and the, the, I, ate, I ate like at least 20 euros worth of stuff in the airport lounge, you know, because I'm not yeah. getting use of it very often. So when I do use it, I make sure I get it. So I basically flew for, flew, flew for free. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 at, at, at that point, the, the airlines were bleeding money yeah. and they have been bleeding. But uh, the EU has been, um, has done the right thing um, on a national level and I guess on a, on, on a, on a federal level of uh, providing aid to the airlines, which that's something which has not happened in Canada. So yeah, pretty much, you know, uh, the airlines are, are pretty much dying in Canada. We have two major ones, Air Canada and WestJet, and they're just, they've been begging, they've been begging um, for federal aid, but the government is just, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is, <laughs> it's a no brainer. I don't know. Everyone did it, the US, the EU, and, and also I believe in Asia. Mm-hmm. You know, provided that lifeline um, to the uh, their you know national uh, airlines, but in Canada, I'd, I I don't know. I guess uh, airlines are not essential. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a, a value investor, and uh, I took a bit of a, a risky one with uh, Norwegian. It was at like forty krona, uh, and, and I bought some. Um, I have I have some clients that copy me on eToro as well. Um, I made thirty percent last year. I made I'm up nine percent this month to date, mostly on the back of things like um, Norwegian and some of these American biotech companies. You know, I'm, I'd studied biophysics, so I've got a good idea for for what is good technology. But uh, I'm just it was interesting to watch what happened with Norwegian. I don't know how much you followed of it. Basically, they bought, you know, they they bought and leased a lot of aircraft over the, the last decade or so, and COVID hit them very badly. And uh, but they were trying to get support from the Norwegian government, and uh, the Norwegian government said no. Until recently, the Norwegian government stepped in and said, "Look, if you can raise something like four hundred million from from investors, we'll support you." So I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> the shares are not going to go to zero, you know." <laughs> you're good. You're good. Yeah, Norwegian was in the news that the, you know they cut a lot, they cut back on a lot of their routes and their flights. Yeah, because uh, yeah, like, just like everybody else, and. Um, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, I haven't followed them on the cargo side, but I'm, I'm sure that, you know, they had to, you know, um, let's say, uh, convert their whatever aircraft they had left um, to these passenger freighters because there was there was no way to make a, any money. But again, on cargo, what can you make? Right. What is it? Four or five dollars a kilo right? versus, you know, a passenger which pays, I don't know. If you're going from Norway to the U.S., I don't know what you're paying. I don't know, fifteen hundred dollars. No, I never paid more than four hundred pounds for one one way flight to America from from London. Oh wow! JFK okay. is the cheapest airport to land at, and then it's also LA is pretty cheap. But if you want to fly to like uh, Minneapolis or some smaller states, it's more expensive, much more expensive. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I'm just saying, maybe those were the prices now, right? I mean, I haven't, I have not traveled at all for a year, so well, I, I, I really wouldn't know. When when Ryanair was flying flying into London, basically, I used to work always work in London uh, and uh, Edinburgh, and haven't been able to get over there recently. Um, I was so I'm so happy I went over to see my parents a couple of times in November 
because now it's impossible to get there. They have to basically spend like 400 euros and stop at another airport. And then you have to, I think it's all these common hotels now they have. So you have to spend another <laughs> 1500 to sit in a hotel for two weeks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's a very challenging market um, that we have. I mean, there's a lot of, there's, there's, and I, I didn't touch upon this before, is that um, there's a lot of business. That's 100% sure. I mean, if, if you are um, a, a savvy business person uh, with some good experience and some good relationships, there's there's a lot of business. The problem, Nick, is that there aren't enough aircraft flying, meaning that having 60% of the passenger fleet grounded really puts pressure, immense pressure on the all cargo uh, aircraft fleet. So that's that's one of the challenges that I've been facing. You know, we work around it. It's, it's again, it's a relationship game, but um, no matter, you know, if you have the best of relationships, if the capacity is not there, you just can't create it. So are, are prices going up for freight? Absolutely, How absolutely. Much? Absolutely. I mean, on, on, on the charter side, I mean, we've, I've seen um, the 747s, you know, going up to almost 10K per block hour when they were, I don't know, you could get one at, uh, it was uh, between 7 and 8K. So it's, it's all, the, you know, basic supply and demand, you know, when there's a surge in demand and um, a reduction in supply, price goes up. So, and the customers are going to feel that ultimately with the, the cost of goods. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's it, it gets passed on. This is a component of the uh, of the cost of goods, right? Of their total landed cost, if yeah. you will. So, I mean, but again, um, the uh, the shipper that has that absolute need uh, and has a just in time product and has uh, you know their own client waiting um, in the supply chain, they will pay that pretty penny. So you must be hiring soon then, I guess. It's a good time for business. Yeah, I'm, I think I will be. I think I will be soon because, again, um, I don't want service uh, to suffer. I, what, what, my niche is quality. That's what I bring. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I will not tout myself as the cheapest in the market. Um, I bring quality to the game. Quality is what I'm selling. So what kind of legal agreements, how complicated is the legal pro process if someone wants to lease, lease an aircraft for well, a year or you, something? Well, you have your typical, you have your typical um, leasing uh, contract, um, which has all the stipulations of what is included and what is not included. Um, <clears throat> I mean, for someone who is in the industry, it's you know a straightforward contract. Um, but you have to make sure again, um, that you, uh, cross your T's and dot your I's of what's included and not included, because I mean, again, we're talking about, you know, major costs. Fuel is never included if we're talking about a wet lease, right? And that's a, a, a major, major, um, cost component. What would, would, uh, would, uh, was it, was it, there's wet, dry, and there's damp, is, is does damp yes. include, uh, fuel 
Uh, damp is uh, something in between the the wet and the dry. Uh, um, I believe uh, the fuel is not included. No, not even in the. Uh, but I, I believe there's something. Um, the issue is with the crew, right? Uh, a damp can have um, a crew in- included, which a dry does not in- include. Okay. So it's in between. Basically, you don't have many situations where you have a, a damp lease. It's either wet or, or dry. So wet, you include everything, the aircraft crew, maintenance, insurance. Dry is only the aircraft itself. And usually the dry is used by um, people like FedEx and DHL, uh-huh. where they don't, they, they, um, uh, don't want to take the time to uh, 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 or the money to um, procure and train a crew. So um, let's say uh, um, for, let's say they're uh, feeder operations, um, a company like FedEx would use like, I don't know, a smaller one called, let's say Swift Air. And um, they could get their um, cargo to that final destination because everything, let's say for FedEx, it would go into Memphis. And then, I don't know, I, I need to go to, I don't know, some small little I don't know, smaller little uh, city or town. They would uh, basically outsource that, right, mm-hmm. with a dry lease. So that's something where they don't specialize in and they outsource it for cost and end and time um, issues. So, in an uh, this, so dry includes pilots and all that stuff? It, it, it includes only the uh, only the aircraft, the aircraft itself, right? Right. Okay. And wet lease is yeah. everything. So yeah. So wet lease, you the the leaser would provide the pilots. The lessor, yes. Yeah. Aircraft crew, including the pilot, is included in the crew, right? And the dry, um, the, the dry one, you'd supply your own pilot. The, with the dry, no. Uh, they they would the, it would be the. Um, it would be the uh, um, the lessee that would have to obtain that, right? Okay. Um, and that's why it's called dry, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's bare bones, right? But again, it it, it uh, the dry works um, for situations like I said. If you have one of those express parcel carriers that have. Um, a very, uh, how can I say, a specialized final mile, let's say, um, delivery route, okay, some small little offshoot city, um, then that works, right? Because then, you know, you you outsource it to a company like Swift Air, which is a smaller airline, and there you go. You're not investing in, in, in time. You're not investing in, in, in training. Mm-hmm. So it, it does work that way, but but if 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 you are like a, a forwarder, then of course you know that's not you know something that you'd like to get involved in. You'd like a full package, and that's basically basically that's what I do on the leasing. I do basically the ACMI. So I would say ninety nine percent. What's what's a forwarding company? That's a company that takes t- changes medium of exchange in a sense. Well, it's, it's 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 a middleman. Yeah, like you said, it's in the word. It's a freight forward. That's what they do. They forward the freight, right? They get they get the cargo from a shipper and then they forward it to uh, the destination, and they get paid pretty much the same as I do. I'm as a middleman, right? Yeah. It, again, they're in the relationship game. Both of them are non-asset based. 
some of them do have assets and or um, uh, I guess a percentage also are, are a combo of uh, um, non-asset and asset, right? Meaning that um, they have uh, some contractual agreements and say, okay, you know, we have we have a fleet. They really don't have a fleet of, let's say, trucks or aircraft, but basically they procure it from a, a third party. Okay. Oh, I'm getting to the limit of what I can talk about. <laughs> feel I know nothing about, you know. I'm I'm sorry if if this is all let's say a little technical and dry, but I mean it's uh, that's fascinating stuff. It really is. I love talking to people about things they don't know about. It's just transportation. Transportation is is uh, you know it uh, connects the world of commerce. Let's say yeah. Um, but in a conversation, it gets a little dry unless uh, you know inject a little bit of humor. We talk a little bit about something else. <laughs> But it's uh, it's it's a it's it's a big learning curve uh, for someone who has not had any experience within this uh, sector. So, how would somebody know they needed you? What kind of size of business? Like, say 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 some CEOs of some manufacturing company are listening to this. Like, when do they know they need you? Well, I mean, it, it anybody w- w- would need my services, assuming that they're into um, the export business. Right. Um, if, if I would say someone with, uh, I don't know, I mean, you know, even even, you know, half a million dollars in, in revenue, it depends on the industry that they're in. It depends um, on the product. Uh, it depends, you know, if they're exporting. Right. You say export, then you need and especially uh, as time goes by. People are looking into air, right? They're not look, looking into ocean. Really? Just so there's there's many factors that come into play. Well, if someone needs me, I mean, it's it's pretty. I think cut and dry. You know, if you're making, I guess, more than even half a million, maybe even less, maybe two hundred, three hundred. It just it depends. Maybe it's a startup, right? Maybe you know that they're, they're looking to to grow. Maybe they just want to start exporting. So I, it's how can I say? It's not uh, a question that I can give a concrete answer to. I guess more people are looking for air because, you know, tastes are changing quicker and just technology is changing so fast that you release a phone and uh, two months later the latest competitor phone comes out so you need to, or fridges or whatever it is, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, You hit the nail on the head. uh, All these new launches, they all need air. No one can wait. If you if you're moving from the Far East to to North America, 21 days, and then plus customs, plus whatever. I mean, if you're moving on ocean, plus port congestion, you know, maybe if it's going into you know I don't know Vancouver, and then it needs to move into Calgary. You know, we also have weather conditions that you have to take into uh, consideration depending on where your destination is. So it's yeah, I mean, it, every every. I think this is the world now. I want it and I want it now. That's yeah. it. <laughs> so. I wonder yeah, I when mean, we'll see space cargo deliveries because flying through air is the most stupid, inefficient thing to do. You're basically pushing air for 6,000 miles. So you're spending all that fuel. Right. If we have a propulsion system that can that can not depend on, on um, having a massive amount of fuel, 
you basically skip having to push all this air out of the way and you could deliver things much more cleanly into via space. Yeah, well, SpaceX cargo sounds good, right? <laughs> hey, Elon Musk, don't steal my idea, man. <laughs> Uh, well, it, it, it could be that that could be the um, <clears throat> could be the the future. I mean, I haven't uh, seen anything regarding delivering cargo in I don't know in the stratosphere. I don't know, you know, or above that in space. But I don't know. It, it, it could be the future. It could be um, the way of you know if we have you know all those um, environmentally friendly fuels and you know delivering it through space and yeah that maybe that's a way to uh reduce pollution on on planet earth well recently i don't know if you heard about orbit uh, richard branson's air launched rocket that went to orbit so in a sense from not didn't fall that there was a sort of large aircraft and it had a rocket underneath it so and it flew up to as high as it went and it launched this rocket went to orbit so that rocket once again into space it doesn't have to push all this air out of the way so in a sense you could travel almost unlimited amount of distance, like a, you know, the other side of the Earth, as long as you follow the correct orbit. But at the moment, the energies are so high that it's much more expensive to get the actual rocket up there. Um, this sounds promising. Sounds promising. I don't know, Nick. Maybe you should start getting into the cargo business. What do you think? <laughs> I, like, I actually want to be a pilot. I actually went to the air. I was in the air cadets for two or three years until. I've quit because I wasn't getting enough time on the airplanes, and right. um, and then at university I had long hair, so I didn't want to join the the RAF. They had to sort of really <laughs> have, kind of have long hair, you know, <laughs> sort of happy long hair. People probably just couldn't believe that based on, but yeah, I had I used to have long hair. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, um, I think I've reached the, as much as I can talk about this. Anything you want to sh- share with us before we wrap up? No, I mean, um, I, I appreciate the opportunity, Nick. Um, it's been great. I mean, uh, actually, this is the first podcast that I've ever done, to tell you the truth. So it's, uh, oh, great. you know, Happy to be great first, first experience. Yep. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, to anyone out there listening who um, who's looking to uh, charter aircraft or lease aircraft, um, look us up. Right, we're on uh, cargoexcellence.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me at uh, Air Cargo Excellence Services Limited. I do have a corporate page. Um, Peter at cargoexcellence.com is the email. Um, so, if anyone is looking to charter or lease, uh, we offer quality. We're not the cheapest, but we do a hell of a job. Absolutely, A to Z, personalized, customized. We give the top-notch um, customer experience. That's what we're about. Air cargo excellence. And when you're shipping millions of dollars worth of equipment, you want quality. You don't want that stuff to Absolutely. land. Someone's Absolutely. Garden. You want quality, and you want to make sure that if you're going to lease an aircraft, that aircraft actually exists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice scam stories I'm sure you have there, you know. Oh, I, we could go on and on. Yeah, yeah. I had one in December, but uh, anyway, uh, it's okay. The man up above, he saved us from a huge debacle. So, <laughs> okay, okay, well, everybody, that was Peter. Um, remind me, 
Sec, how to pronounce your second name again? F. Carpides. F. Carpides. That's it. That's it. I mean, long Greek and confusing. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> okay. Thanks, Peter, for your time, and thanks everybody for listening to Learn with us. See you again next time. Thank you so much.